You're listening to Radio Influence. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reed. Well, here we are, and we now know the participants in Super Bowl 52, the New England Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles have advanced. We're here to talk about that and, of course, get to some underdog conversation. I cannot do this show alone. Of course, I have to have some help, and we enlist the great help of senior handicapper and writer from Vegas Insider. Mr. Kevin Rogers is back with me. Happy Three Dog Thursday. Good to be with you, my friend. You too, TJ, in the middle of this uh, this break in the NFL. And no, the Pro Bowl doesn't count on Sunday as more football. It's just there. But, uh, but yeah, we're down, to, we're down to two teams now. And, you know, what's funny is, you know, we talk about parity in the NFL. This is now five straight years that both the home teams won in the conference championship. And also, to the exception of the Cowboys last year, Every number one seed has gone the last five years to the Super Bowl. So, so much prepared. And Atlanta was a two last year. Well, and again, uh, home field advantage proving to be just that, proving to be an advantage uh, with that kind of statistic. Hey, speaking of advantages, we're going to get to some college basketball underdogs a little bit later on because obviously you and I aren't going to look at the AFC or the NFC as an underdog in the Pro Bowl and talk about that game. So we'll get to the college hoops in a little bit. But you and I are on a roll right now. I know you wrote something about this on VegasInsider.com. It always helps with the credibility of our show when we have three weeks like we've had, combining NFL playoffs uh, with also last week some college basketball. We are 9 for 9, my friend, the last three weeks documented on this show with NFL playoff underdogs. And you hit with the Nebraska Cornhuskers in Big Ten basketball over Michigan last week. I hit with the Houston Cougars in the American Conference upsetting Wichita State. We're rolling along. Quick comment here. This is good for us, for the prognostication, for the underdogs. It is. I mean, you look at the NFL, the underdogs are 9-1 ATS in the playoffs. So uh, so that's worked out. Basically, just pick any underdog. It feels like, except for, you know, obviously Tennessee was the only loser in that against New England in the second round. But as far as the college basketball goes, yeah, you know, it's, it's worked out well. And even in your game, you picked last week was a good spot because Wichita State blew out Houston in their American opener. They were huge favorites, and they came off that loss to SMU, and they went on the road to Houston as a short as a short uh, favorite. And Houston just lost to Tulane, and Houston came out with a nice win. So uh, that was a good spot. And you had Nebraska beat Michigan. I thought Michigan, you know, was a little tired after they had played Maryland and Michigan State in the past uh, few games. So it worked out. It did work out, and that's one of the reasons why we take the time to break some of this stuff down. Look at it. We don't always get them right, but we are rolling along three for three, uh, uh, three straight weeks if you've been paying attention uh, on that. Okay, so uh, we made mention of the conference championship games last week. I really felt that Jen said so, that Jacksonville would hang in. I didn't know that they could win the game. They were winning the entire game, and then New England obviously put the fourth quarter comeback on that we've seen so many times with Tom Brady. Uh, Kevin, I'd love to have your thoughts about what you saw out of this, and then we'll do a little back and forth about the comeback. But what, I mean, what about that AFC championship game, which was obviously the better, the closer of the two championship games? You know, look, you got to give Jacksonville a lot of credit for 
what they did this whole season for them to go to Pittsburgh and beat the Steelers and to come within, you know, what, a quarter, a quarter and a half of going to their first ever Super Bowl. Right. And unfortunately, Tom Brady does what Tom Brady does, even with Gronkowski hurt. And I mean, look, I'm not going to go to the, well, Jacksonville had a better quarterback. They would win. I mean, hell, Nick Foles is in the Super Bowl for the Eagles. So let's, so we don't need to necessarily go there. But, you know, at the same time, like Jacksonville, yeah, they exceeded expectations, definitely. I'm always a believer in if you don't take advantage of it now, you're never going to take advantage of it unless you're the Patriots. You know, you look at Carolina a few years ago when they went to the Super Bowl with, with Cam Newton, they lost to Denver. I'm like, they're done. Falcons last year had the 28-3 lead, lost. You're done. Like, you know, and even in college football with Georgia losing Alabama, I'm like, you're done. Like, that was your chance. That's it. And you're not going to come back to the spot. And I think that, you know, with these teams, same thing, you know, I know we're going to talk about the Vikings in a second, but the same thing with Minnesota. You had the golden opportunity with the game at home in the Super Bowl, and you blew it. They don't come around that often. That only it feels like the Patriots and Alabama are the only teams that can kind of like reload, or if they have an off year, they'll be back. But for everyone else, I don't think you're going to be back. I really don't because everything broke your way. And then when you look at the Patriots, for instance, man, this New England team, you get Tennessee and Jacksonville in the playoffs at home. I mean, I'm not going to say how fortunate you are not to dog those teams, but they avoided Pittsburgh who had them beat a few weeks ago. And you know that Pittsburgh, you know, obviously is better than Tennessee and Jacksonville, but man, the Patriots, I don't know. I don't know who Bill Belichick and Tom Brady sold their souls to, because you know what? I mean, they keep getting like the breaks. <laughs> then they miss Carson Wentz in the Super Bowl. Yeah, they, they have, but you also make your own breaks. You make your own luck and you got to win the games. I mean, Kansas City had a home game with Tennessee and you know this where they're leading 21 to three. They can't put it away to be able to go play New England, uh, the next week. Pittsburgh has a home game rematch, everything riding on it with Jacksonville and Jacksonville completely outplayed them. So. Again, uh, the one thing I keep coming back to, New England's just not going to beat themselves, fundamentally. They don't fumble the ball. Brady may occasionally throw an interception. They don't make penalties. They wait for you to make mistakes. They wait for Blake Bortles in a key situation. How in the world, Kevin Rogers, does he get a delay of game penalty out of a timeout in the first half? They're up 14-3. to Key third down in Patriot territory. They've got him on the ropes. How do you not pay attention to the play clock and get the playoff on on what would have been a third down completion to Mercedes Lewis, keep the drive alive. Again, they wait, the New England Patriots, for you to make those kind of mistakes. Give them openings. You know, drop the key pass on third down. You know, fall down trying to cover one of their receivers. They are just going to be fundamentally better than you and uh, and and take advantage of you not getting it done and and look there's a lot of uh, conversation we're both in florida in north florida there was a lot of talk about the officiating uh the internet was buzzing about some of the calls Uh, kevin a a quick thought from you do you really believe that the officiating played that big of a deal in the comeback by new england and by their win real quick well no i don't because you know what if you want to say one call, I mean, it goes, I guess it goes back into the tuck rule where it's like one call, like we had it and you took it away from us, but you're up 20 to 10. You're up 20 to 10 at the end of the first half. You, know, you sat on the ball for a minute because you were afraid of making a mistake. You mentioned the Bortles, the delay of game, which 
there are some things in football, TJ, I just don't understand how coaches mismanage timeouts, how you call a timeout and you get a delay of game. Don't you know what you're doing going into the huddle? Like, I, that's where there are times in football, like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. why are things like, why do you complicate things? So, no, I don't put it on officiating. I mean, there are very few times in football, I mean, you can go through all sports, but in football specifically where I say that call changed an entire game and probably one of the last times was that Seahawks, Packers, Hail Mary in the end zone with the yeah. backup officials, and then and then like two hours later, <laughs> they, they got the real officials back because they realized how bad of a screw-up <laughs> it was. But something like that, I'm like, no, that changed an entire game because that was wrong. But stuff like this, like you say, here and there, you know what? I don't buy that. I yeah. don't. Stop Tom Brady. You know, I, 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 that I don't buy it, too. Well, and two important points. One penalty called on both teams combined in the whole second half. It's not like flags were everywhere. And the key strip fumble by Miles Jack of the Jaguars stripping Deion Lewis of the ball, they got the call right. They called it a fumble live, uh, and they and on re- review they upheld the call. Yeah, the whistle blew, but they weren't sure that it wasn't a tackle, et cetera, but they got the call right. And, and the more important point, Jacksonville had the ball four times in the fourth quarter, Three punts and lost the ball on downs on that critical last drive, trying to get a first down, third down through incomplete, fourth down. The great play by Stefan Gilmore to, to swat the ball away on the fourth down play. New England made the plays. It was not the officials that made the plays or made the calls. Danny Amendola, uh, Kevin, you know this, great catch in the back of the end zone for the touchdown there. Tremendous throw, tremendous catch. So give New England credit. Hey, uh, we haven't given enough credit to the Eagles for also making it there. You mentioned with Nick Foles. How shocked were you that Minnesota, as the favorite team, gets out to the 7 nothing lead and then just got blown out? What is it, what's your take on the takeaway from the NFC Championship game? I mean, look, I was on Minnesota. I like them. I maybe foolishly bought into the momentum coming off the New Orleans game. And now I guess I looked at it like this. Atlanta was favored at Philadelphia, and Atlanta offensively is better than Minnesota. There's really no disputing that. And then Minnesota goes in there, and they're favored again. And I'm kind of thinking, you know, they stuck by New Orleans. They should have lost that game. And I know you could, they should have won, should have lost, should have won, should have lost the way it was going. But now they're favored again, where the Eagles really did a great job defensively on the Falcons. And I just don't understand the line, so I'm thinking, wait a minute, maybe Minnesota's the play. Minnesota goes all the way down the field, they score, I'm like, whoa, like this is this could be like, you know, not a blowout, but they could be in control of this game. And then Case Keenum went Case Keenum and made a horrible throw, and I'm thinking, like, you know what? I've heard, you know, it's okay to throw interceptions. You know, it depends if you're like a gunslinger, but there are times just like throwing a bad passes where it's like right. you just eat it and you get to the next down and, and you still have the ball and this is where you say, Come on, man, like you can't be throwing that ball up Can there. I stop you for a second? Can I stop you for a second? Do you think the pressure got to him the biggest moment on the road that it that it got to him and you finally saw this is why he's been a journeyman, this is why he's been a backup? What do you think? I don't know if the pressure got to him or just he made a bad throw. You know, I mean, I guess that, you know, I don't know if that correlates or not. You know, it's like when people say about experience, like, you know, did Tom Brady win the AFC Championship because of experience or because he's the best ever? You know, he won because he's the best ever, not because, like, he's been there so many times. He just, he, he's just the best. And, you know, is Nick Foles that much better than Case Keenum or Nick Foles made better decisions than Case Keenum did in that game? And obviously Minnesota sees that they can only get so far without great quarterbacking. And Nick Foles was just able to 
you know, ride to, to steer the ship in a sense because he has a lot of great offensive talent around him, which Minnesota doesn't really have. They didn't have Calvin Cook, who was down for a few months. The receivers, we know Diggs is good, Thielen's good, but past that, it's not really great supporting cast where the Eagles have a ton of running backs. They have two outstanding receivers. They have a great tight end. Like, they have a lot of weapons that Foles can go to, and Foles was able to take advantage of it. And, look, I, I think I saw a stat. I think Rich Eisen put this out. It was a really good stat that after the last – I don't remember the exact number. It could have been seven, eight, or nine walk-off touchdowns in the playoffs. The next week, that team just got blown out. And I wanted to look that up and to see mm. – not see if it was right, but just see those situations. And I'm thinking that really that all these teams have just, you know, put up a dud in their, in their last game – or in their next game, rather, after that. And, look, I give the Eagles all the credit. Everyone was down on them when Wentz was out, and they stepped up. You know, forget about the last game of the season against Dallas. Like, that that didn't matter. And the Oakland game, which they didn't look really good. They probably, you know, should have lost that game. But they beat two really good teams at home as underdogs. Now they go to the Super Bowl. Right now, I'm still kind of, like, going over my head, you know, which side I like. But, there's no reason to think why the Eagles couldn't hang. I know a lot of people really like the Eagles. You know, they, I don't know if they're jumping on them because they don't want to see the Patriots win or because of what they saw in the last two weeks. But, you know, for the Eagles, they're still a pretty good team. It's about, I says every week, if Nick Foles doesn't make mistakes, they have plenty of, they have plenty of good reason to win that game. Sure, and we got plenty of time to dissect it, obviously, as there's another 10 days of Gab Fest at the time we're talking right now before they'll play Super Bowl 52. And you got to give Doug Peterson a lot of credit. Second-year coach, they lose the star quarterback late in the year, but Foles was obviously solid enough. I mean, all Sean Jeffries on a one-year deal with the Eagles. He played large in the NFC Championship game. They trade for Jay Ajayi. You know this, Kevin. You're part of the, the Dolphins radio coverage on their radio network in South Florida. Uh, that was a, a very curious move that Miami would get rid of him. Philadelphia made the strong play to get him, only gave up a fourth-round pick. He made some plays in both their playoff wins, so they've punched a lot of the right buttons, and now they've punched their ticket uh, for Super Bowl 52 coming up. Kevin, stand by. So there's some NFL talk. Again, no NFL game. Yes, the Pro Bowl is going on Sunday, but Kevin and I are not dissecting and going for an underdog in the Pro Bowl in Orlando. We will talk some college basketball, though, in our next segment, and some college hoop underdogs across the board. Some huge matchups. Uh, the SEC also playing the Big 12 in out-of-conference games this weekend, as well as conference play. We'll get to all of that as we march on with college basketball through March and all the way to the Final Four. You're locked in here on Three Dog Thursday. We will continue. Stay with us. Three Dog Thursday, sponsored in part by Smack Apparel and SmackApparel.com. Check out their in-your-face theme shirts for pro and college football and basketball with a special promo code CHAMP for 30% off between now and January 31st. Again, make your selections and remember that promo code CHAMP at checkout and save 30% from us as part of Three Dog Thursday and SmackApparel.com. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. We are back in once more here on the only digital radio show devoted to underdogs. No football for this weekend. Again, Kevin and I keep saying the Pro Bowl has almost become a disgrace. When pass rushers are taking like a half-hearted effort, nobody wants to tackle anybody. 
<laughs> watch that if you want to. The Pro Bowl is what it is. Super Bowl coming next Sunday. We will set our sights again on college basketball. Worth mentioning again that Kevin had Nebraska last week on Three Dog Thursday in the Big Ten upset of Wisconsin at home. That one was never in doubt, by the way. And Houston also handling Wichita State uh, last week. Back-to-back losses for Wichita State at SMU at Houston. I had the Houston Cougars on Three Dog Thursday. So we start off the season, the college basketball season, two for two. And we get ready for some college basketball underdogs coming for this week. We're going to total up three of them. Uh, so, Kevin, before we get to that, uh, interesting Wednesday night of college basketball that saw South Carolina go into Florida, rally from a 10-point deficit, win that game. you got to give a lot of credit to Frank Martin. I mean, this is the same scenario as a year ago in the Elite Eight. They beat Florida in the Elite Eight and went on to the Final Four. He's got several players back from that team. Uh, Silva, the big man down low. Uh, they have excellent uh, defenders, length. They they handled Florida at Florida. I mean, Florida wins the game at Rupp Arena last Saturday night. Now South Carolina comes in and beats them. You have that win. You also had a great Mountain West game late night, uh, Wednesday night, where Wyoming defeated Nevada 104-103 to in double overtime. Nevada had been in, unbeaten in the Mountain West Conference. Nevada handed their first loss by the Wyoming Cowboys in double OT. Kevin, that that Mountain West with Boise State, who's good in that conference, along with Nevada and even maybe Wyoming too, we got to pay attention to those teams, non-power six, if you will, including the Big East, because come NCAA tournament time, those are teams to be reckoned with. Those are those are the kind of teams that get seeded twelfth or tenth and could actually win a couple of games in the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah, and even a team like San Diego State, who's always who always hangs around. In the uh, in the Mountain West, uh, you know, you know, we saw Nevada last year make the tournament with Eric Musselman. He's done a great job with that program, and uh, you know, yeah, they slip up in double overtime to Wyoming, but uh, still a tough place to go. But uh, yeah, I think we're just seeing this year that there are so many teams that, yes, you, know, you have the Dukes and the Villanovas, you know, and the Kansases that will be there in the end. But uh, you know, you never know with some of these. I mean, I hate call them mid-major teams, but teams are not major conferences. I mean, Mountain West, I mean, still, you know, still the football conference, still the basketball conference. So, you know, I know we don't put it up there with the other conferences, but, uh, you know, there are teams that can, you know, be that 9, 10, 11 seed that can, you know, make some noise. And, you know, you, you talked about in the SEC, South Carolina, who had a bit of an uneven start in, in conference play. They won at Georgia. They went at Florida last night. And the Gators have been playing pretty well in the SEC coming off that win at Kentucky on Saturday. You know, that's a bad loss for them. It really is. You know, at home, and, and Florida slipped up a couple times at home this year, losing to Florida State, losing to Loyola Chicago back in non-conference play. So you're trying to still figure out the Gators, like like where they're at, because they, they've been hovering around, you know, the bottom of the top 25 and trying to get back in. You thought they'd be back in, but then they, they, they stubbed their toe last night. Yes, they did. And so, again, at the time we're talking, we've seen the Wednesday night games go in the books, and we're about to make some underdog predictions for Thursday and for this weekend. And with the understanding, again, if you're hearing the show on Saturday or hearing it this weekend, you already know upcoming how our predictions did or didn't do on uh, on Three Dog Thursday. With, with that being said, I think you and I are both going to go for a Thursday night college basketball underdog where do you want to begin? I roll out the red car- carpet and give you the honors. Kevin Rogers, VegasInsider.com. Where do you want to begin? I'm going to go with the Pac-12 and the 
Colorado Buffaloes, who started off, they slumped in, in uh, Pac-12 play, that they lost to both the Oregon schools, didn't look too good. They came back home. They shocked Arizona. They beat Arizona State, who had a great non-conference, but they've kind of fallen back to earth now in conference play. They just split their last two. Actually, they went to USC and lost. They picked up a nice win at UCLA. And then they went back home, and they pulled away from Washington State. And then they got tripped up at home by Washington in their last game. So now Colorado back on the road. They go to the Arizona schools this weekend. And one of my big, I don't want to say rules, but things I stick by with handicapping is I do not like backing teams, big favorites with revenge, because a lot of people want to say, oh, well, Arizona just lost them. They're going to be upset and beat them. Why? Colorado just beat them. And Arizona's coming off this last-minute win over Stanford, uh, top two teams in the Pac-12 right now, or two of the top teams, and now they're coming back home. So, you know, Arizona has been great covering numbers in the Pac-12 this year at home. I think that Colorado will put up a good effort, and uh, they'll hang within the fourth team with Arizona. And by the way, to your revenge point, the Steelers had all that revenge planned up for the Jaguars and the Patriots and had a, the Jaguars at home, and it didn't end up mattering in the divisional round of the playoffs. I know that's a different sport, but in college basketball, too, you will see it in some of these conference uh, it plays and uh, the fact that teams meet twice, you know, what about the revenge factor? So it's interesting. You'll take big points there with the Colorado Buffaloes plus the 14. I am going to go kind of off the beaten path here. And no, I, I can already see Kevin Rogers figuratively here rolling his eyes. I'm not going to go American Conference uh, again uh, uh, this week. I am going to go to the Sun Belt Conference. I've had the privilege the last three years on TuneIn to broadcast the Sun Belt Conference championship game for the automatic bid in the NCAA tournament. So I've gotten a look at some of these teams year in and year out in that conference. This is, has you know, has the likes of uh, Georgia State and uh, uh, Little Rock. Uh, Lafayette is the leading team. Louisiana. Louisiana Lafayette right now uh, is the leading team unbeaten in that conference. Um, again, a southern footprint with the likes of Appalachian State or Arkansas State and Texas Arlington that are supposed to be in it. I am going to go with a matchup, though, that doesn't involve any of those teams, including the favored team, Lafayette, in the conference. A Thursday night showdown in beautiful Statesboro, Georgia, with the Georgia Southern Eagles hosting the Texas State Bobcats. And Texas State getting eight points uh, in this one at Georgia Southern. So this is the point in time where, Kevin Rogers, you would ask me, why do you like Texas State and those eight points at Georgia Southern? Because Georgia Southern likes to run the ball a lot. <laughs> the triple option is not always in effect uh, for the for the uh, the basketball uh, offense uh, of, of uh, the Georgia Southern Eagles. I like Texas State because they had been on a seven-game Win streak, actually a six-game win streak before their loss to Louisiana Lafayette. Lafayette's the best team in the league, undefeated. Beat them, snapped their six-game win streak. Uh, Texas State has actually won eight of their previous ten, including that loss, and the six in a row. They've been a good road team recently, Texas State, winning against Arkansas State, winning also against Little Rock. I just I like them in this situation. Danny Casper's team was in the conference tournament championship game a year ago. Uh, Georgia Southern, by the way, has only played three Division One teams at home so far this season. Kevin Rogers, I know you like these kind of stats, and in those games as a favorite with three Division One teams at home as a favorite, they are only one and two covering the line. They've played a lot of Division Two teams and NAIA school. 
So they're going to play a lot more in conference play over the next four or five weeks. But this is going to be an interesting Thursday night test. Texas State Bobcats come in, and I will take them. I don't know that they win the game, but I will take them, and I will take the points in this matchup with Georgia Southern, who's equally as good. Georgia Southern has won six games in the Sun Belt. I just think in this spot here, I will take Texas State in that matchup. So again, that one is off the beaten path from all of the power conferences in the top 25 teams. We will turn our attention to Saturday. That Saturday slate includes Virginia and Duke. I'm going to stay away from the Virginia Cavaliers for Three Dog Thursday purposes. I don't believe you're backing them either. That's a great matchup, though. CBS is going to televise that one from Cameron. Uh, Virginia with the great defense. Duke is obviously one of the top five teams in the country. Do you have a thought just on watching that game in the ACC uh, at the top of the of the ACC conference here, the, the powerhouse teams, Virginia and Duke? I mean, it's always a good game. I mean, Virginia, we see the numbers they, they put up defensively, that they gave up, what, 30-something points to Clemson yep. earlier in the week. And we know Duke can score all the freshmen they have. And, yeah, I mean, it's just always going to be a very good game. I mean, I have no opinion on it right now. But, uh, you know, to see those two teams, you know, Virginia can win and they'll really have a nice hold atop the ACC. Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic matchup. Uh, Duke won earlier in the week with Wake Forest. These are... Arguably the two best teams. I know North Carolina would be arguing about that. Florida State, by the way, has been very good so far in conference play as well. So we'll see on that matchup. Uh, Big 12 and SEC will be playing a bunch of different games this weekend. The Big 12 SEC Challenge. The marquee game is Kentucky against West Virginia at Morgantown Saturday night. And something says to me for Three Dog Thursday purposes, Kevin Rogers, Kentucky Wildcats, John Calipari's team getting their act together. They are very young, as is usual. They they lose Malik Monk off the team last year as one of the top scorers, uh, you know, NBA caliber player. Leaves early after just one season. You take a look at this Kentucky team get their act together in the second half against Mississippi State to win the other night. They're now going on the road and against a West Virginia team that is always good defensively. But I think the Big 12, Kevin, has beaten them up a little bit. They suffered losses uh, recently to Kansas um, at home. They also suffered the loss uh, as well to TCU back on Monday night. Kentucky's going to be, the the lines at the time we're talking are not out, but you're telling me, Kevin, Kentucky's going to probably be somewhere around a four-point underdog, maybe a five-point underdog, something like that. I like the Wildcats here. Do you think that Kentucky is getting their act together for the months of February and March here for Calipari's team? He's been bemoaning their youth, their inexperience. They're not playing together. Are they going to start getting it together here, not just in this game, but down the stretch? What do you think? I mean, yeah, I mean, we talked about earlier the loss to Florida at home. I mean, Florida's still a good team. You know, they, they didn't lose to, to any kind of bad team. They slipped by Texas A&M, who was underachieved a bit in conference play. They slipped by them at home. But you, know, you mentioned West Virginia. They also lost to Texas Tech also on the road. That this is, you know, a West Virginia team that uh, has struggled a bit in Big 12 play. They had a blowout of Texas last week, and Texas is great offensively. But, uh, I mean, with West Virginia, you know, you kind of wonder which team you're going to get. The Kansas game they threw away. The Texas Tech game was pretty close. So, I mean, those are games that could have gone either way, and they just didn't work out for West Virginia. But uh, also with Kentucky, I mean, how many great road wins do they have? We know what they can do at Rupp Arena, but when they go on the road, you know, Kentucky's played Kansas a few times in this challenge the last few years. Now they're drawing West Virginia, which is a pretty good matchup. So 
So, I mean, it will be a relatively close game, I got to believe. But, you know, for West Virginia, you know, you talk about Kentucky getting the rack together. I wonder when West Virginia will. Well, and again, they lost at TCU uh, the other night, and they, they've had – uh, some different in- injuries. Uh, Javon Carter is a good guard, but again, Huggins' team doesn't ever have the one superstar score. Again, they'll be hyped in Morgantown, but I just like Kentucky Saturday night for Three Dog Thursday purposes in this matchup with West Virginia. All right, so there are underdogs in college basketball. Again, worth noting, we hit both of them a week ago, and uh, we'll see how we fare for this week. Meantime, at VegasInsider.com, Kevin Rogers, you guys are hopping. You are busy with all kinds of different things going on, preparation for the Super Bowl, but other sports as well, sir. Tell us more about it. Yeah, now we got one football game left, Super Bowl 52, with the Patriots and the Eagles coming up next Sunday. So we'll have plenty of content on that. Advantage Patriots, Advantage Eagles, Advantage Over, Advantage Under. We have our 52 uh, Super Bowl factoids that we're going to have so we, we have a lot to to uh put out there with the super bowl and obviously when that's done it doesn't mean everything is done it just means football's done so we'll have college basketball in the nba and uh with conference play as much as for as busy as it is there's plenty of games every night same thing with the nba hockey is, has their all-star break this weekend but they'll be back coming up next week so just a lot there, there's always a lot even though there's not uh football in the next uh you know, the next week or so until the Super Bowl. There's still a lot going on at Vegas Insider. You can check us out all the time at VegasInsider.com and also on Twitter at TwitVI. Great information on all the different changes and different things that are going on and trends and uh, and that kind of stuff. So check that out. Follow Kevin as well at VI Rogers. Follow this show at Three Dog Thursday. And uh, we look forward to seeing what's going to happen with these college basketball underdogs. Again, with the understanding, if you're listening on the weekend, you already know how well Kevin's Colorado taking the 14 points at Arizona Thursday night did or didn't do. How did I do with Texas State in the game at Georgia Southern on Thursday night? Sunbelt action. Again, keep up with these smaller conferences these non-Power 6 that includes the Big East along with the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, the Big 10, uh, the Pac-12, all those different leagues. Look, look at conferences like the Missouri Valley that that uh, always seems to be good and have upset teams, the Mountain West or Conference USA that's had Middle Tennessee State pulling some upsets in the NCAA tournament each of the last two years. I like that Texas State team at Georgia Southern getting the points, and then I'll go with a blue blood, Kentucky, a blue blood figuratively and literally. They bleed blue in the bluegrass state. I think Calipari's team will get their act together and and will win this game at West Virginia. Let's see how wrong I am in the primetime game on Saturday night for Three Dog Thursday purposes. Kevin, I always love it for the insight, plenty of Super Bowl conversation, and more college basketball underdogs on the table for next week on Three Dog Thursday. Thank you for the time this week, sir. All right, you got it, definitely. There you go. There's Kevin Rogers. I'm TJ Reeves. Again, we love talking underdogs, the only digital radio show devoted to underdogs in college hoops now, as well as the NFL, which we're almost done with the Super Bowl. Follow this show at Three Dog Thursday. We're excited to see what happens with the college hoops this week and talk Super Bowl next week here on Three Dog Thursday. Bye. Chris Landry inviting you to join me for Landry Football Podcast every Tuesday and Thursday. We'll give you the coaching and scouting angle to the college and NFL game. Film breakdowns, scouting reports, X's and O's, the latest inside scoop, coaching search information. We've got it all for you. I'll take my experiences as a coach and a scout 
and bring it to you, the fan, to give you access to the best football information on the college and pro level. Join us at LandryFootball.com. And remember the Landry Football Podcast right here, as well as Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com. Oh, yeah.